From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm David Schultz. The last two tax filing seasons, well, let's face it, they sucked. Two years ago, the pandemic was just getting started, and last year it was still raging. Will this be our first back-to-pre-pandemic normal filing season? Probably not, according to Kelly Phillips-Erb. Kelly's an editor here at Bloomberg Tax, but you may know her better by her nom-de-podcast, The Tax Girl. And we decided to bring Kelly onto our podcast to talk about what tax pros and tax filers can expect from now until mid-April. That is, of course, if the deadlines don't get extended yet again. I started off by asking Kelly what she's been hearing since the filing season kicked off in earnest last month. I think it depends on who you ask. Um, I believe the IRS uh, suggests that it's going well, or as well as can be expected. I think they've used words like challenging, um, but I think that they have the sense overall that things are progressing. And I think that's probably a fair description early on. That being said, um, I know that a lot of tax preparers are very frustrated with the changing guidance, um, the changing tone of the guidance especially surrounding child tax credit. Um, And I know that there, and I am one of them, um, there's been some criticisms of the way that the IRS is handling non-filers for child tax credit. Um, You know, that portal isn't even going to be available really until after, well after those folks would have filed. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I think on some level, like for a lot of taxpayers, I don't think it feels I think it feels like it's going okay now, but I think that's because it really just started, right? Like it's only been open for about a week. Is the IRS kind of like building the airplane as they're flying it? Like, is is that how this tax filing season is going to work? I I think that way. And I think that's what's really surprising for a lot of tax professionals, because some of the issues that are coming up are not things that should be as surprising as they're being made out to be. So... You know, I completely understand the understaffed issues, the under-resourced issues. Um, I I get that the IRS has some challenges, and I don't think anybody um, would disagree with that. I appreciate that there's a huge backlog. I mean, there's a lot of things that are roadblocks. But all of these things are things that we knew about, right? Like, and if we know about them, the IRS knows about them. (laughs) Um, The child tax credit, I think, is is an excellent um, example. We, you know, when this happened, and again, you know, I don't blame IRS for the challenges related to the child tax credit because, you know, Congress dreamed this up (laughs) and uh, and and charged the IRS with uh, or tasked the IRS with, um, you know, administering it. But that being said, you know, some of the things that we're hearing that aren't going well, like the letters not being correct and the IRS saying, well, maybe we mailed them a little quickly or maybe the tax transcript doesn't match what's in the portal. You know, this is math. This is IRS's, you know, this is what we expect IRS to be able to do. I actually have more sympathy for for the IRS when it comes to things like mailing the checks and getting them where they need to go and making sure that the right people get the right amounts. That I think is a huge burden, right? Because they're having to juggle a lot of pieces. Um, Same thing with the stimulus checks. But when it comes to how much money did you get, that should be a thing that the IRS should be able to tell you. Um, And it is disturbing that they are 
coming up with lots of different ways to report it and then saying, well, they might not all be the same. And then um, I, I had a chat with a, an EA the other day, an, an enrolled agent the other day. And one of the things that she pointed out, which was an excellent point, is that, you know, the IRS keeps saying they don't think that these issues are widespread, right? But let's, let's suppose that it only affects 5% of taxpayers. That's still an insane number of people. That would be 8 million people, right? That's a lot of people. Even if it was 1%, it's, that would still be over a million people, 1.5 million people. So to suggest that it's not a widespread problem, I think also discounts the real frustrations and the real problems that people who are expecting to have refunds or to get checks or to even have information to file correctly um, might be encountering. So we're going to get to the child tax credit and the stimulus payments in a little bit. But first, I wanted to talk to you about how to file. Um, you know, one of the things that I've, I've heard a lot about uh, on this podcast and also on BTAX is that the IRS is sort of inundated with paper returns from previous years and yes. that filing a paper return is a really bad idea. If I file electronically, does that mean that I'm sort of immune from having any problems with the IRS and that, you know, everything will go smoothly for me if I file electronically? Or are there problems that uh, e-filers aren't going to be able to avoid? So if you had asked me this a few years ago, I would 100% say to you that if you e-file, you should have no problems. You know, don't file on paper because it takes a lot of process. We all know that, right? Before the pandemic, we were looking at eight to 10 weeks for processing on paper. Um, I, it, I know the IRS wants everyone to e-file. Um, they've said this quite a bit. I agree that it is the fastest, typically most efficient, and also um, allows for fewer errors. So I do agree that e-filing makes sense. Um, that being said, there are a lot of moving parts this tax season. Um, I can personally say that uh, my return hasn't been processed from last year, and I e-filed. I e-filed on extension, to be fair, but still, um, I checked for a FAFSA, you know, for my for my daughter's FAFSA, um, and it still says my return has not been processed. And I know that some of the other tax professionals on Twitter have said similar. Um, I, I know that the IRS is behind on e-filing, too, so to suggest that you can push a button and I will go as quickly as promised is not true. Um, and last year, you know, it was a similar drumbeat, right? Like e-file, e-file, everything will go well. And still taxpayers weren't getting refunds for electronically filed returns for months on end. I mean, that's why the IRS made a big point of saying they were going to pay interest. I mean, they're they're normally required to, uh, to pay interest at some point anyway, but even with the extension, they said they were going to um, pay interest on the, the normal, beginning on the normal due date instead of the extended due date. So, um, you know, yes, uh, to be fair, yes, file, file electronically because it's faster, but um, don't assume that that means business as usual. Got it. Um, now, let's get into the child tax credit and the stimulus payments. Uh, as we heard, again, on this podcast before, uh, the IRS is going to be sending out documentation to a lot of people, or maybe everyone, uh, about how much they got, uh, and they'll be reporting that on their returns. If I never receive that by, you know, let's say mid-March, late March, maybe even early April, should I just go ahead and file and not worry about it? So I think it would be a mistake for taxpayers to wait for that letter or to wait for that correct letter. 
um, to file because I think that, um, you know, it's just going to slow down the process. Um, but I also understand. So here's where the the my point earlier about electronic filing becomes problematic. Um, if there's a problem with what you with what you report, even if the IRS corrects it according to their records, it's going to slow the whole thing down. So I understand wanting to have the right amount in hand, especially if you're counting on a refund, right? Because if you have to wait for the IRS to correct it, it says you received $700. You thought you only received $500. You know, if the IRS has to make an adjustment or do an investigation, it slows everything down. Um, so I don't know that I would say wait, but I would say be patient. So, you know, if you don't have it in hand right now, um, should you go ahead and file, you know, maybe be a little more patient, but I will also say with the letters that I've heard that have been problematic, you know, having that letter in hand isn't helping those taxpayers. Um, the IRS has recommended that you go online and check, I will say, and I have said on Twitter and other tax professionals have agreed. I have seen dashboards that are incorrect. The IRS has acknowledged that there may be some incorrect data. So that's why they suggested there are two different places you can look um, online. They may not be consistent. So that's kind of going back to what I was saying before about things being a bit of a mess in a way that some tax professionals like myself can't quite understand because why would something on the dashboard be different from my letter? They've both been generated from the same person, uh, same entity, right? So the IRS, the IRS prepared both of those things. Why don't they match? Um, I think that's the frustration that we're that we're hearing. So, you know, what I hear tax professionals telling their clients, and what I think is best practices, with the caveat that there still could be, uh, you know, slowdowns, is that rely on your own records. Look in your bank account, see what's there. Look at the paper checks that you've received. Um, to me, it's a similar situation for when you get a 1099 that you might not agree with. I say you report correctly and you annotate the return and you see what happens. I think that's the approach that a lot of tax preparers are taking. Um, and we'll have to see what the IRS does with that. That's interesting advice because usually, you know, the common uh, wisdom, I guess, or or the, you know, the conventional wisdom is, you know, don't wait until the last minute to file. Don't be, you know, rushing to the post office on April 15th trying to get your, your return in. But it sounds like for the folks who like to file early, maybe around Valentine's Day, that's not also uh, a good idea either if you don't have all the documents in hand yet. Well, again, it's tricky, right? Because there are folks who count on this money. I think that's the thing that I keep kind of going back to. When I spoke with um, former IRS Commissioner Koskinen a few years back when he was still managing the IRS, he used to make the point that around tax refund time, you know, which is how some people think of tax season, not me, but some people think of it as tax refund time. Um, you know, that check can be for many taxpayers, the biggest check that they'll receive all year. And this year, that's especially true with some of the stimulus payments and expanded child tax credit. Um, it could be the case, not necessarily will be the case. Um, and so, you know, those folks that's the reason they're early filers. That's the reason they want to file in January because they are they're counting on that money. Um, if you're telling them to wait until April, you know, maybe for somebody who has a regular check that they're that they're not worried about paying their rent, um, you know, maybe that's different. But um, I did have a good friend of mine whose plan used to be that she would prepay her rent six months in advance. 
with her refund check every year. Yep. Because wow. there are people, and I know that if tax professionals who, if you know, who might be listening, think that's horrible because they'll tell you it's a poor savings account and all of these things. You know, it's your money. Why wait? But for a lot of folks, especially un unbanked folks or underbanked folks, this is this is the way that they live. And so, you know, we can be judgy, but this is the reality. And is that fair? Is that fair to say to those people? Yes, it's your money, but you should have done something differently. You should have anticipated that the IRS was going to be inundated in a pandemic. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I don't think that that's a fair. It's a, you know, you're imposing your your judgment right on on the economic realities of other people. So whether you should file early or not, I think depends on your personal circumstances, your level of comfort with whether or not you actually received what the IRS thinks you received, and if you work with the tax practitioner or, or a tax preparer, um, chat with them and see what they say. It's a really, really good point. Let's talk about deadlines. Um, mm -hmm. Last year, the deadlines were pushed back. The year before that, the deadlines were pushed back. Mm -hmm. um, is there any indication so far that you think that's going to happen for a third year in a row this year? So I say no. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but that being said, uh, you know, there hasn't been any indication from the IRS that they're inclined to extend. But I will also say that in 2020, there was no inclination, um, you know, or indication from the IRS that they were well, going to extend. In, 20, in 2020, no one saw that and, one coming. Yeah. Right? And then in 2021, people said early, please let us know early. And then they still didn't. They waited until very, very late to extend. So I think if we do get an extension, It'll be late again. I don't anticipate that we're going to get like a mid-February announcement. I think if we were getting an extension announcement, it would be in April. But I don't anticipate that that's going to happen. Mm. All right. And then finally, um, let's talk about the big picture and where this uh, this season sits in, you know, the, the annals of tax filing seasons. <laughs> um, you know, the last two seasons have not been normal. By any right. stretch of the imagination, is this going to be a normal season? Are we going to are we sort of seeing a return to the pre-pandemic normal when it comes to tax filing? So I think it depends on your definition of normal. I think a lot of folks are adapting their lifestyles to, um, you know, they're getting used to uh, uploading their documents to a portal and not actually seeing a tax preparer. Um, they're getting used to getting emails where the tax preparer will use video to explain to them what their return looks like. Um, you know, and in a lot of ways, that um, kind of forced adaptation of technology is really cool in that it's becoming our new normal. It might not have happened as quickly as it did, right? So I think in that regard, our view of normal has shifted. I think we're learning to expect that the IRS is going to um, change policies and and uh, guidance as seasons go along. So again, I think we're adapting. So in a lot of ways, I think it is, quote, normal. Um, do I think it is going to be like it used to be? I was going to say 2019, but that was a, sh a shutdown year, right? So uh, 2018, do I think it's going to be like 2018? Um, I, I don't think so. I think we're learning that, um, you know, I, I, one of the things I wrote in my column is that for years and years and years, the IRS would say when they would tell you to e-file and use direct deposit to get your refund back, 
and that they anticipated that ever uh, that that would happen in three weeks, you know, the 21 days. They used to always slip in a little statistic. If you go back and look at the press releases, nine out of 10 taxpayers who e-file and use direct deposit will get the refund within 21 days. So who, um, who's that, who's that, that was, one out of 10? Yeah, but they but they didn't say that this year. That was missing. And the yeah, if you go back and look at the when, you know, they usually make that comment when they do the January, you know, we're opening the season um, guidance and, and press release that wasn't in the guidance this year. I think what they're trying to do is temper expectations, right? I think they want people to I think they want to still encourage you to e-file. I think they want to still encourage you to direct deposit. And I think that those are good things. So I don't want to suggest that they're not. But I think that they're they're trying to uh, set expectations. Okay. Um, well, uh, Kelly Phillips Herbs message for 2022. Curb your enthusiasm. Uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much uh, for talking with us. That was Kelly Phillips Herb, the tax girl. Uh, thanks for talking. Thank you. And that's it for today's podcast. Don't forget to check out Kelly's own podcast, Tax Girl. It's fantastic. You can find up to the minute news and the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax was produced by myself, David Schultz, and Rachel Daigle. Patrick Ambrosio is our editor. Our executive producer is Josh Block. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You don't need to be a judge to be interested in our nation's laws and legal institutions. Just like you don't need to have a law degree to be curious about the inner workings of courts, law firms, and law schools. That's where we come in. My name's Adam Allington, and I'm the host of Uncommon Law, a podcast from the Bloomberg Industry Group. Uncommon Law is where public policy, storytelling, and the law are combined. We explore big topics ranging from tech policy to free speech to race and gender diversity. So please give us a listen. You can subscribe and download today. Just search for Uncommon Law wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much.